on today's show. I'm chewing on it. I'm mulling on it. I'm thinking, I'm reading, I'm absorbing. Who knows? But it was really interesting how hard it was for me, that process. But so I started having all these conversations with people because I was interviewing them. I said, I want to include other people's stories. And I knew a lot of women who had really interesting stories of being mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, of being parents, of being makers. And then something shifted. It was like another kind of wait a second moment. I need to have these conversations out loud mm -hmm. in front of other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I'd call someone up, I'd have this amazing conversation, I'd be transcribing it, you know, because I thought it had to be in this one format of words on a page. And, and then I'd feel so great afterwards, because I get to see what somebody else was doing. And I yeah. learned all this new material. And then I was trying to figure out where to put it. And it felt like waiting three years to get it into a book to maybe not even have it was just a waste of time and energy and hmm. and there's this valuable asset that started to emerge and that was these conversations i said well what if i just mm -hmm. buy a 99 blue microphone yep put it on my computer and record these and make a make a podcast like what if oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right five four three two one one welcome to the creator institute podcast What if you don't finish? It's a question that I get asked a lot from someone who's starting something new. They're going to start a podcast season or a book or an event series. What if you don't finish? On today's episode, we're going to talk to Sarah Peck, who is someone who I met years ago. And early on, she described how she was starting a book. It's five years later after she started that book. It still hasn't been published, but yet she's had some remarkable insights and turned those insights into a podcast, a business, an entire kind of platform called Startup Pregnant. It's a fascinating conversation to understand that sometimes the creation event that we think we're going to have may surprise us. And for Sarah, that's exactly what's happened. She still may someday publish that book that she set out initially to publish, but right now she's loving life, having adventures of starting the new New podcast, Startup Pregnant, the adventures of building a business around it, the challenges of being a mom, and more importantly, the opportunities to create something awesome. Here's my journey and my adventure today with Sarah Peck. So excited, Sarah Peck. Uh, gosh, we know, we've know we known each other for a while now, and um, it's exciting to sort of have over the last couple of years to have watched you uh, really tackling something that we've that I've been going through too, which is sort of being uh, a parent in the startup world we're living into. And so I'm excited to talk about kind of your adventures in establishing this entirely new thing, Startup Pregnant. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You are welcome. You are welcome. Um, so I want to start with the the sort of the the premise behind kind of the book idea that you started with. We'll take we'll go a little bit further, but. Kind of tell me why this was something you felt compelled to talk about, because I think there is this sort of mentality out there that it's like, you know, startup is work hard and like you stay all night and like that sort of thing. And yet there's a huge number of people that uh, don't fit in that mindset. So so tell me why this sort of it was inspiring to you to kind of start to share. Hmm. So the, the, I, I think it's been two and a half years now. I, I, I came up with an idea called Startup Pregnant um, and I wanted to write a book about it. And the idea came to me because I was 
working at a startup and I was pregnant. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, and it was in, it was in the fifth or sixth month. Shocking. Like, whoa. And I just put the two words together. I was like, and it was, it was kind of a joke in the beginning. It was startup pregnant only for the insane because mm-hmm. it was challenging and it was mm-hmm. hard. Um, I, I really, I struggled a lot through the pregnancy and, and I like with any life event, right? It asks you questions. Who are you? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's changing? Who supports you? Mm-hmm. How do you do this? Mm-hmm. And I felt so nervous and uncertain. And I wanted to create um, both like a reason for why I was going through what I was going through, but also a perspective on and a guide for people of like, here's here's a different way of doing it. And yeah. what emerged really <laughs> the core philosophy of Startup Pregnant as I know it today Um is the idea that we don't have to do work and we don't have to do parenting the way it's always been done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want to read from a quote, or I want to give a quote that you wrote about not that long ago, um, sort of as you described this, the evolution behind it. Because I think, again, I, I think that there is, there's probably a lot of, you know, even my wife talks about this, is when she was trying to find, she's a professor and she was trying to find guidance. There's a lot of sort of niche places that are about, you know, stay at home or have a nanny. There's like all these like advice, but I think, you know, like you said, there are bigger pools of people that need it. I think you're, you wrote this that I, that I was in sort of inspired by. I said almost two years ago, the idea for startup pregnant came to me, but when the idea first arrived, it was to be a book of my own experience. Um, you go on to say over time, however, the idea morphed from a book still in progress to uh, grow in shape and size. It became bigger than a book, but like my kid and his clothes, he's constantly outgrowing the book quickly outgrew the container of a book and asked me to make something else. Um, so tell me that journey of, of like what it was like to start the process of a book and how it's kind of evolved since then over the last two and a half years. Mm, I'm so glad you're asking this because, because it's, so often we see the end product of something and we think right. like, oh, well, that must have been easy. The idea came to them and they made that thing. And mm-hmm. it was easier to make a kid than it was to make this book, which is still <laughs> not finished. Uh, but yeah. but like, let me peel back some layers because um, I, I reached out to a really well-known agent here in New York City. I was astonished when she um, a- asked me to come into her office. I felt like totally uh, out of my league, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um and I pitched the idea. I was sweating terribly because you get super hot when you're pregnant. And it was like winter and I had a coat and a belly and I didn't have the right clothes because like you're changing body size. And uh, and I pitched the idea. She's like, great, get me a proposal. And I, oh, crap. Oh, like, wow. okay. So I, I wrote that. a proposal and I sent it in. And then shortly thereafter had a child, took maternity leave for about three months. While I was on maternity leave, wrote more of it. Um, for some reason, I didn't want to shower, didn't really interest me, uh, but I did want to write. Nice, so I just, yeah. I went with it. I wrote about an hour yeah. a day. Um, there's not much, you don't have much time on maternity leave, really. Mm-hmm. It's not a vacation or a holiday. It's like yeah. pooping, cleaning, yeah. breastfeeding, changing yeah. diapers, sleeping th- for three hours. But that one hour a day when I got, had some coverage from someone else, I, I was like, I'm just going to really, I'm going to write really quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up, so I sent the next draft in and I had these optimistic ambitions that like by the time my kid was six months old, I'd have this book deal, Yeah. Um, which is really, I'm smiling right now, <laughs> kind of laughing at myself. I, I wrote five or six different versions, some of them 20,000 words long. So the process of creation behind it, I was constantly making things, mm-hmm. but we never quite got the book right. Mm-hmm. And every time I developed it, 
I learned more about what the project was. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I've got to talk to more people. Mm-hmm. And I want to start having more conversations with women about their experience. Because honestly, I'm a, let's like, let's call a spade a spade or whatever the right phrase is. I'm a um, white, privileged, mm-hmm. educated, yeah. married, straight-ish person who um, has a lot of support and help and I got a paid maternity leave. So the reality of my experience (laughs) is that uh, most of the world doesn't have, or most of America doesn't have this. So when I'm writing this, if I'm writing a book from my perspective, quite frankly, it sounds kind of snobby and elitist and annoying. I'm like complaining about some, some stuff and it it wasn't going over very well. And I, I, you know, I had to do some also integrity searching of like, what is it that I'm really trying to say? I right. feel like there's something important here, but I'm not getting it. And my story, it's not like I didn't save the world here. I just made a child. Like there's a lot of people that are like, I did that too. Well, <laughs> Come I, on. I think even if you think about it, I mean, I would just, from my perspective of even searching for advice and guidance, it is for the most part, this is my anecdotal experience. And then you should do what I did. And I think it's really fascinating to think like, you know, why does your anecdotal information, should I follow yours versus everyone else's? And, and that is something I know that we wrestled with because the ease of creating your own blog and putting stuff out there has almost made it that it's hard to even know what to do. And I, my wife's sort of a very yeah. data-y person. And she was like, I, if I Google anything, I'm going to get in this rat hole where I'm going to be frustrated. And so I think you're there's a, a sort of other things going on here that the it, the ease of creating something mediocre has gotten so easy that you probably mm. even had to level your own, sort of think of the way to level this up as you were coming and approaching it. Right. And and take some of the ego out of it of like, okay, right. I like it's useful for each of us to tell our own stories because we learn ourselves. But mm-hmm. does my story need to be told at scale as some sort of, um, uh, what's the word? Like, dictum like <laughs> like is it some yeah. like methodology no and i love i love that you just said that about um we often take our own experience and then distill it into like and here's how you can do it too right. which uh i'll call I, do you allow swearing on your uh, on this of podcast course, yeah, what do you please. think right. yeah. i'll call bs on that <laughs> bullshit is what i was gonna say yeah. so um i like i want to call that's one of the biggest problems of our entrepreneur and ink magazine culture the 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 how i did it culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the problem here is and I, this is i'm i love your wife already because she sounds like a science geek and a awesome. research geek and yeah. well I, I assume you like her too you yeah, know yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh but the thing that drives me nuts is that number one we assume that um people have accurate memories that's right and we know from science that that's not true so first we, we we are assuming that people know that they can recall what happened and and accurately tell you the truth um and mm-hmm. there's many reasons why people wouldn't tell you like if they lied cheated and stole in order to get what they got and then they became very successful well what are the odds that they're actually going to tell you that's how they did it hmm. Second of all, we assume that the exact conditions that they're in. So in, in lab science, it's like the, the control group or the methodology or the, it, the, is it repeatable? We assume that those criteria surrounding the actions are also replicable. Like, oh, you're going to just happen to be in 2008 again when the market was shifting and changing and be able to do the exact same steps. So even if they're telling the truth, if you do the exact same steps again, can you get the same results? Also not a guarantee. And science sample sizes of one aren't really mm-hmm. that useful. <laughs> we can do a lot of yep. case studies and we can learn from them for sourcing ideas and inspiration. And that's what we should do when we look at individuals' experiences. But we can't take it and say, here's the methodology based on one data point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, now I'll get off my science soapbox. No, no, no. But I think <laughs> it is important because I think what's interesting about just distilling your journey is 
you went after this from, I'll write a book because I didn't find an answer. And what was sort of interesting is you kept pulling on this one and saying like, I'm creating things, but is it, is it really going to advance me and advance us where this should go? Right. I think, I think that's the, it's interesting just thinking about you as a, as a, you know, sort of your own creator story is you're, you're basically saying like, you're iterating on yourself as you're going saying like, all right, where does this actually go? And that's, I think what we see a lot in creators is they're they're listening back for those sorts of things. And so I love it that you were like, hey, listen, I've got stuff out here, but I got to keep keep iterating. So where does this take you from here when you start to have these moments of crises of your your five drafts in now and saying like this still isn't there? Yeah, and and thanks for asking cuz there's there's so many inter- interesting pieces that that happen like that you turn a corner and you're like, "Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen next." <laughs> right. and, and and before we turn into what it morphed into, right. um I will say that like uh, one of my own personal learnings was uh, that surprised me. It was I would turn in a draft and I would get feedback and I was surprised like how devastated, devastating it felt to get feedback mm-hmm. that it wasn't working. Right. And I thought, I, I think of myself, right? These are the psychological distortions we carry. I think of myself as like, keep going. Like you mm-hmm. can just do this. You bounce back. And it really took me two to four weeks every time I got feedback to get mm-hmm. back into writing again. Yeah. Um, and after, you know, six iterations of that, now I have six data points that tell me I have something to learn about getting back into it. Or mm-hmm. maybe it's part of the process, right? Like right. I'm chewing on it, I'm mulling on it, I'm thinking, I'm reading, I'm absorbing, who knows? But it was really interesting how hard it was for me, that process. But so I started having all these conversations with people because I was interviewing them. I said, I want to include other people's stories. And I knew a lot of women who had really interesting stories of being Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, of being parents, of being makers. And then something shifted. It was like another kind of wait a second moment. I need to have these conversations out loud Mm -hmm. in front of other people. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'd call someone up, I'd have this amazing conversation. I'd be transcribing it, you know, because I thought it had to be in this one format of words on a page, and and then I'd feel so great afterwards because I get to see what somebody else was doing, and I'd yeah. learned all this new material. And then I was trying to figure out where to put it, and it felt like waiting three years to get it into a book to maybe not even have it was just a waste of time and energy. And, hmm. and there was this valuable asset that started to emerge. And that was these conversations. I said, well, what if I just mm-hmm. buy a $99 blue microphone, yep. put it on my computer and record these and make a, make a podcast? Like what if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I said, okay. Yeah. So around June of 2017, I said, okay, I'm making a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a tiny bit of money for it. We asked for some sponsors. We got some, um, enough to cover cost, about $500 a month. So I could pay for somebody to edit the podcast and mm-hmm. pay for the hosting costs. And uh, and I started this show. And and then I was like, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing a thing. I'm making a product. I'm, uh, I have money coming in for it. I have... Um, people I'm paying to do work for me on it. Right, right. I don't know. This smells kind of like a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it was like I was doing startup pregnant and I thought it was a book, but there was yep. this secret startup that was happening instead. And I was yeah. the last one to realize. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that, you know, and I think you're, you're, you're actually doing customer discovery by creating it. And I actually think that one of the, the weaknesses in sort of the broad customer discovery stuff, and you're like, you know, you're deep in this world too, is that 
we don't actually like force ourselves to go deep enough until you have to write it and create something to explain it to other people. So we always surface level customer discovery versus when you're actually thinking about sharing it through a book, you're like, you actually have to go deep enough to explain it to other people. And you're like, wait a second, this is different than I thought. Mm, mm, that's a really interesting way of looking mm. at it. Yeah, you, you are, I think you're, you're not unusual. And this fact that like the depth that you needed to actually build the business probably wouldn't, if you'd set out to build this business, you probably wouldn't have ever gotten the depth versus going through the book route or creator route uh, and creating a podcast. The depth sort of emerges suddenly. Right. I And I love that you're talking about making, like just go make the first version of it, make something because mm-hmm. the act of making it is going to give you, it's effectively going to give you a whole lot of questions, right? Right. Do I have enough right. material? Can I talk about this thing? Is, is, it is, does my brain even make sense? Like what, how do I organize it? And like, what, what do I need to do next? And I writing in many regards, especially writing things that are longer than 10,000 words Mm -hmm. starts Mm -hmm. to require a different type of systems thinking, like organizational structural thinking. Cause now you're starting to think about how do these ideas relate to each other? What's the overall arc? What stays, what goes, you know, what's the core message of the book? There's a, there's a thing in, in writing called the through line and it's what's your book in two sentences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And originally mine was girl goes to work at a startup, girl gets pregnant, girl tells the world how you can do better startups by lessons she learned from pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you get the gist of the book. You can grok it in like a sentence or two. What's the through line. Mm -hmm. And so all of these pieces like, and, and I really, I really thought, I mean, I think this is something that every single writer says, right. But I really thought that it would be easier to write a book than it has been. (laughs) Because, because I, like, I was like, well, I've written like 700 blog posts. Like why just got write a hundred more, you know, I thought it wasn't going to be as challenging, but the complexity when you get up, up in word count and you start to organize the system, it really does challenge you in a new way. And I think it deepens your thinking and it requires right. you to really have mastery over some material or it it shows you what you need to do next. To, to that point, I, it's, it's interesting to think what's kind of been the reaction since you sort of made this move towards conversations. I mean, you, it's been interesting if you look at sort of the startup pregnant site there, you've built this community. And in fact, you've built, you know, you're, you're building backers and things like that. How has it been like to sort of realize you're building kind of a community driven media empire? Is it sort of like, uh, did it come na- Did that part come naturally or was it sort of the content sort of led you where you needed to go? Mm. Mm-hmm. Both. So I think one of the things that's a challenge is there's so much out there. It can be kind of overwhelming. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can make everything. Well, I'll have a podcast and I'll have a website. I'll have a blog and I'll have all this other stuff. I'll have an email list and I'll, you know what, I'll make a Facebook community. And that kind of dilution really can, can be problematic. Interesting. So we were, I was really conscious about what I was making with the website. um, Even though it still feels like a I'm not a first draft, but like a third draft right now. <laughs> um, it still feels like it, it's a work in progress, but I was really conscious about it. And and this might be interesting. Um, a podcast as an audio form, like an audio, think of it as a thing, right? The, th- the MP3 or whatever it is as a product. A lot of right. times with a product, we can hold it in our hands, a, mm-hmm. a phone, right? The phone that you use every day, the water right. bottle, the cup. An audio file is actually really hard to share. 
Yeah. Right? Like you want to give somebody right. a cup of coffee and you're like, here, I'm giving this to you. Um, maybe hard to do digitally. So you would send dollars and a gift certificate, but uh, an audio thing is really hard to share. So, so when I thought about the podcast and I thought about how does this get to people, audio as a form can be, have its own challenges um, in, in shareability, especially because most of the, and here's a business idea for you. Um, most of the, most of the, the ways that we listen to podcasts, the Apple podcast player and Overcast and Stitcher and Google Play, all of those, this is how geeky I got in building this. Yeah. This is the kind of research <laughs> that you do. Um, so all of those different pieces are, uh, they're not great. Yeah. Like, like you would think given our technological prowess in today's day and age that you would be able to share a specific moment in an audio clip. Be like, hey, listen to this at 8.11. Mm-hmm. but you can't you would think that you would be able to tweet out a specific episode it's really hard to do yeah. when you tweet the link from apple podcast you just link to the podcast show page hmm. so all of these little pieces i was like okay here's a challenge with the the thing that i'm doing um and so i made something that's infinitely more shareable and that is a web page for each podcast episode mm-hmm. you see where i'm going mm-hmm. with that yeah i do i see it Yep. Yeah. So that was that was intentional. We don't have a blog, even though it blogs every Monday. Right. Um, we have a show that goes live on Monday, and we have a website that shares how to listen to the show. Huh. You know, I think it, it's in some ways there is more than it's. It's not just a podcast, right? It's become sort of uh, basically it's become a community, and different people will access that and share it differently. I mean, I think you're one of the things that I found when I was just sort of you know researching for this is you basically could. It's almost like you write a, an in-depth blog post that you don't even necessarily have to listen to the podcast to get a ton of depth out of it. I was, I was, I was, you know, sort of. I listened to and was watching and reading about the your interview with Nicole Walters, who's the, mm. the entrepreneur from Monetize, which is awesome, by the way. It's a great. It was it was fun to listen to, but like she's she's an ama- she's hilarious. So funny, so funny, <laughs> so so good. Um, but, but you know, I think you're what I thought was just so interesting about this is you basically you read the preview, the blog post, and you're like, now I want to read more. So you create this like unique way to really experience the relationship with that you create with these guests. Mm. Well, and so there's strategy behind that too. And I think I'm going to assume that everyone listening is a huge geek like you and I are. So let's get into it, which is um, audio is also not searchable. Mm -hmm. So when you think about Google as a, a search engine and you think about like, how are things shared? Well, part of it is you know, the database of search engines and part of it is um, the social community aspect. There's, it's, it's really hard to share it. So I wanted to create enough copy for each podcast that it would register on the indexes that search uh, these interesting. things. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things I also wanted to, to ask you about was you, you've, uh, you've used uh, Patreon as the sort of this platform a little bit, which, which, uh, I, you know, I think that people are seeing this for those who don't know, it's kind of a patronage approach to supporting people and brands and things like that, that you you support. What was that like to sort of realize that maybe there's a different way to build an audience and to build a sustainability around the program? Yeah. So we originally did all of our sponsors and our listeners on Patreon, and we're currently in the process of switching. Mm-hmm. All of our regular sponsors are going to be built. I mean, we use PayPal, but you can use anything, yeah. right? Yep. Um, we're going to move them over to uh a bank billing system mostly yeah. because I want to move off the monthly cycle and into longer contracts. Yep. Makes sense. So that, and Patreon was hard to do other than a monthly, you have to kind of set it up. So we're going to be moving into quarterly and half yearly contracts, which is really great because it creates more business stabilization and I'm not in a monthly sales cycle, but I'm doing it yeah. 
every six months, which is mm-hmm. as a mostly solopreneur at the moment and a mom yeah. is great for the brain. <laughs> like these, this is how I make my decisions. It's like, do I have to do this every month? God. Okay. Nope. Like <laughs> I'm moving to six months, like buy in and just create stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Patreon is going to be our listener backed radio. So you can sponsor us for like a dollar a month or $4 a month. Or I think the max is like $25 a month. We have yeah. a lot of people who really like the $4 a month one because mm-hmm. Um, the description there is like, buy me a cup of coffee every month. Yeah. That's like, that's your commitment to me. And you know, it takes more than one cup of coffee. Right. Right. <laughs> I drink more than one cup of coffee at a minimum yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Did you, did you find that, that, you know, one of the things I think also, you know, the word startup is in your, your, uh, your brand, your podcast, you know, what you're building. Did, do you feel this pressure that sort of like, all right, we're going to scale this thing. And like, this has to be massive and it has to be the next blah, blah, blah. How do you balance that? Because you're, you're also, you know, you, you are a mom and you, you are trying to like be a solopreneur. How have you sort of like played through this in your mind a little bit to be comfortable with where you are and where this goes? Yeah. So, so this is such an interesting question. And one that's like, I call it a chapter in my book because the question mm-hmm. is still a little bit unanswered. Um, right. But there is a whole world out there in which uh, startup means a very specific thing. It yep. is something that's rapidly growing. It's you probably have a better definition. You teach this, right? But it's, modestly, not very good. No, <laughs> but like, I, don't, I remember I, I tried to quit. So remember, I'm not a good example. Okay, yes. okay, right. But like, <laughs> but like, think of the hockey stick growth curve. That's you know, right. there are there are venture capitalists, venture capitalists, a relatively recent phenomenon, like in the history of what? 1980s, 1980s. right? 30 Mm -hmm. years, 37 Mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really recent that we started putting a lot of money and making bets on things that are called companies and wanting these companies to grow to huge multi-million, billion dollar valuations. And, um, and so there's this glamour that comes with the word startup, um, and also, there's a lot of like battling over the word entrepreneur. What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Are you really one if you just have a small business? And I chose deliberately to take the word startup because I think starting anything up from scratch, including with the lens of family, right? Like you're starting a family. Right. I love the phrase zero to one. And like mm-hmm. literally that's what you're doing when you make right. a human. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one of the hardest times of your life. So yeah. I wanted to capture the spirit of what it takes to grow something from scratch mm-hmm. and how that applies to both business and to families. So are we are we talking about the the like sliver, those like the 2% of companies that become unicorns? No. I mean, yes, we include them in our purview, but we don't limit ourselves to that. Yeah. Yeah. I oftentimes always see this, you know, again, you've you've been a part of the sort of that fast growing quote unquote, uh, I'm going to call it capital S startup world. Um, and been in those type of companies, what was the point in your mindset that flipped from, Hey, I'm going to be using this startup pregnant as a book or as a podcast, sort of a fun type of thing to where like, this is like the thing on your, your LinkedIn bio that you're doing, right? Like what, what is the point when you sort of said like, all right, this is it. What was there a point or, and how did that sort of evolution happen? Cause I even find it with myself, right? I mean, I have, I've never seen myself as like a professor. It's sort of just something I did on the side. And it was sort of recently where I sort of started to embrace it and be like, you know what, this is what I love doing. I, this is what I want to keep doing. H- how did that experience go for you? Mm, okay. So this is an interesting question because it's really relevant to right now in a, in a way that makes me really nervous. <laughs> Um, yeah. What did we do? So I left, 
I left my job in 2016 that where I was helping to run operations for a startup and uh, do a lot of the communications work. Mm-hmm. They had neither a CMO or a COO, but I kind of operated in both of those spaces because we were small enough that you don't give everyone a C title because that's silly thing to do if you're that little. Um, four people, four Cs. Yeah, four yeah. people, four Cs. Well, it, right. let's take two sentences and talk about why that's a bad idea. And that's, yeah. if you start everyone at the top, everyone you hire has to be below you. And awesome. really take a little of the ego out of it and know that you would be so lucky to hire somebody smarter than you to help grow this thing. 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. People so, only that matters. But you want to hire people who are who say, uh, yeah, I, I'm better than you, and and but I'm coming with you. <laughs> so Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. Like if I end up being, if I start something and then I end up like, like I would be lucky enough to be a VP in a company that I started if it were doing that well. And we needed like somebody who could run a 500 person organization. I don't have right. enough ego to say that I'm the person that's best at doing that. Like yeah. it would be amazing. It, think of it like a discovery tree where there's choose your own adventure. It would be amazing if the path were that I were able to grow that fast to be able to do that role and to do it well, but I don't want to hold us to that kind of risk. That's right. That's right. Okay. So wait, now remind me of the question you were asking before. So this trend, this, when you decided that this was the the place for you to focus, this like podcast is the place you're going to invest and you, you know, I made you uncomfortable thinking about where, where oh, you yeah. are. That's why so, I, I lost yeah. the question. Yeah. I, was no, like, like, I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me take it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in, when I left my job, then um, I financed most of 2017 by continuing to run. So I, I've, done consulting for a long time, about eight years now. And and I put together a mastermind program. So I ran a leadership accelerator on my own through my own SKP media company. And most of that was used, I just took that money and put it right back into building Startup Pregnant. I was self-funding, which was great. Mm-hmm. 2018, we're, we're recording this on January 18th, 2018. Mm-hmm. I just finished my annual uh, reflection and my budget and mm-hmm. I decided not to run my regular programs this year because wow. I think there's a chance to fund all of Startup Pregnant and our family's needs by the end of the year. Hmm. There's also a chance that it won't work. Right, right. We are fortunate that we are in a place, my husband and I, what we've done um, for full transparency, I think, because I don't think it's helpful when entrepreneurs are like, oh, I funded it myself, yeah. but I have a partnership and he makes the money. So mm-hmm. so what, what we have done in our lives since we've been together is we've always agreed that we want to be able to live off of one person's salary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that the other person can pursue meaningful projects. Hmm. Um, whether that's creating a book or like my husband's a really great developer and a um, creative director and he mm-hmm. there's going to be times in his life when he wants to just make an app because it has right. to be a thing. Yep. yep. Um, and so we go back and forth on who gets to have the chance to make something that we think needs to be built in the world or is starting something up. And for me, that book slash podcast slash business is that thing. <laughs> And yeah. right, unclear what it is, but we have, we have pretty good agreements as, as a partnership of like, well, how long and how do we know? And right. so I've got metrics I've got to hit by the end of the year. The good news is that we're going to know if it's working really fast. Like mm-hmm. this is a six month to 12 month kind of scope thing. It's like, is it working or is it not? Mm-hmm. And we've got metrics by the end of the year that we're going to try to hit. And the reason we killed all my other programs was actually to up the risk, to up the kind of accountability. And now- yeah. 
it's up to me to get sponsors for this thing. And I don't have distractions every day of like, well, you know what? I really had to run my mastermind and I had to do all of this like freelance writing for these like fancy schmancy clients. And, oh, I didn't have time to build it. That's why it didn't work. That's gone. I don't, yeah. that's no longer. And it, I'm like, I can feel my stomach tightening up a little yeah. bit as I'm saying that out loud. Cause it's really yeah. scary. Yeah. It's, but it's a good, but we talked about earlier before we got on the, the, the power of constraints to know, like to, to sort of focus the mind. And I, I, uh, I, it's, uh, I feel my, the stomach in my knot or my, the knot in my stomach too, uh, hearing you talk about it. But it also, I also feel at the same time, this sort of like excitement, enthusiasm and hopefulness, because I think to your point, you'll know. Yeah. And that's better than sort of being in this, like, well, like, is this like a fun project or is this the thing? And I think you are early in the game in some ways of saying like, am I, can I build a community-based media business? And, and that's both exciting and terrifying at the same time. Right. So, so that's the question. And we've got, the thing is, is, you know, OKRs, the system, uh, I teach this sometimes. So I teach a lot of system stuff and geeky stuff Mm -hmm. on the side, but I don't anymore, but (laughs) I know, I know about them. And we use, cause I used to um, help with the operations at a lot of these companies. And we, I do for myself a system of OKRs. I think quarters are a really beautiful way of tracking things. Uh, you have enough time to figure out if what you're doing is working, but you're not wasting so much time as to find yourself in a hole and say, how did I get here? And mm-hmm. lean startup and MVP and all of those principles are, are, are very similar. And, and so for me, I set up my annual goals and I said, okay, and this was a hard question to figure out, but it's like, what do we have? Where do we have to be by the end of the year to know that this project is working? Yeah, and it's not like what would wild success look like. I'm not right, right, right. deluding myself yeah. to think that I'm going to somehow have 400,000 subscribers on my email list when we're starting at 100. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be cool. Like, yeah, like let yeah. me manifest that. Sure, but yeah. also, but also, that's more rare. And if I you set that as a metric, that's not going to be helpful to me because then if I get if I get three hundred and ninety thousand subscribers, have I failed? No, right? right? right. So I actually set. Um, I learned this from Danielle Laporte. She, I interviewed her mm-hmm. on my podcast, and she <laughs> she shared. I used to think of it as like a cliff metric of like what's mm-hmm. the one, what's the like danger zone, and she's like, no, what's the be well? Like what's mm-hmm. what's like we are still operating, we're making enough money, and we're going in the right direction. Find that number. And, and I did, I set it up and it's not that many. Like Mm -hmm. it was actually really, really interesting to me to figure out that like, oh, in over the next year, there are a lot of really solid businesses that have about 10,000 subscribers that make as a business revenue, revenue between a hundred and $200,000. And I was like, oh, okay. So I don't, I'm not shooting for the moon here because also that's not helpful. I'm shooting for a stable community of between five and 10,000 people in the first year, because if we do that, then we can do something interesting in 2019. Right. 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 That's brilliant. And, And it's, you know, I think you're, you, you put this in a way that allows it to sort of evolve, but also to sort of sort of make sure that it's going to evolve into a place that can grow. But but I think it's I, I see this a lot that people believe that all businesses are you know effectively startup businesses, and the reality is is like you know you're building a you know a, I hate the word lifestyle business, but you're just building a business, and frankly, like just it, a it, business, you know, yeah, like. <laughs> Why does, it, why does it have to be a lifestyle business or not? It's basically just a business. And like by labeling it one way or the other, it sort of doesn't matter. But you're, 
what you're basically, I would say this way is you're basically giving yourself a shot to do the net, to play the next, the next round of this, you know, like if after a year at a certain point, like then I can go again and then I can go again and go again. And whereas like, there's some kind of magical thing. And I get this from my own startup experience, which is like, I think about some kind of like, what's the future state. Hmm. And for me, what I'm doing now is like, I just want to keep doing it again next year. And if I get to do that, like I have succeeded to the moon. Yes, a thousand percent. And, and there's a couple interesting things in here. We, you mentioned constraints. And I'm looking at a year ahead where uh, my husband and I are thinking about having another kid. Yeah. And he's not going to take this one. Like, I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> like it's still going to be me. Um, yeah. So, so there's, there's very real constraints is what does it look like to be a mother of two? What does it look like to be pregnant and growing this thing? I'm not currently pregnant, but like I'm preparing for the p- potential possibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and what does that mean? And how do I design what this looks like? And for me, pregnancy is really hard. I'm, I go to sleep at like seven and I wake up at like nine and I'm not, I used to be a college swimmer. I like, yeah. I used to get up at five all the time. And, and so it just kind of cuts back on the uh, allowable time, the available right. time of getting stuff done. But it makes the question more interesting of like, okay, how much time do you really have? And what, right. what's first, what are you going to spend it on? And so I like, imagine that you're like, putting out all your different, I don't know, jars of Play-Doh, right? I've got this blue jar over here and this green jar over there and this red jar over there. And I've got all these like awesome colors that I can play with in building my business. But what I have to do is I have to line them all up and they have to go in a specific order because I can only do one thing Mm. right now because I only have so much time. And I start to line them up and figure out, I need a better analogy than Play-Doh. That just came into my head, but we'll, <laughs> you, we'll work you, on we it. Like, we're gonna, kids, so I, I got it right away. I was like, oh yeah, Play-Doh, she's talking about Play-Doh. No, Play-Doh, we're playing yeah. Play-Doh. But like, I'll come up with one that really makes sense because you have to like line them up. Um, but so if one of them is the public speaking that I do, and one of them is the teaching that I do, because I teach often, you know, I'm in the city, by the way, I'm sure you can hear the yeah, like, honking outside. It makes outside. me feel like this is real. <laughs> What's well, two forty-five in the afternoon, so it's about to be school pickup time, <laughs> and I live on Broadway in New York City. So uh, right about this time, you might also hear like lots of cheering and jeering, and I have s- noise blocking um, curtains, by the way. <laughs> so this is through that. Um, but so you'll also hear kids at the bus station because it's that time of day, which I don't mind because I love knowing like what time of day it is and who yeah, are like in, in built-in clock here. But back to Plato. So. You're lining everything up. One of them's teaching. One of them's speaking. One of them's making the podcast. One of them's running the mastermind. One of them is writing articles, which is a marketing thing. One of them is business development. Like there are all of these different activities that I can be doing to grow the business and and effectively all of these different businesses that I can be running. A public speaking business, a writing business, being an author, all of this, all of this. Um, and when I started to line them up and I looked at the relationships between them, like if I do this one first, does it make the next one better or easier? If I do this one, how does it affect the other ones? And I realized that starting with a podcast has positive outcomes for so many other things that I do. Right, right. It's research for my book. It's generative for articles that I write in the future. It when I'm on maternity leave and my podcast is out there in form for people to continue to download and find, people can find me and invite me to speak, mm. right? Mm. So I'm setting myself up for a future in 2019. And so I get to reply to people who say, hey, do you want to do you want to do a public speaking gig? I say, no, um, I'm not doing any speaking in 2018 because I, nope, no yeah. traveling, they're right. pregnant, too hard. Yeah. Um, but I can do a podcast or we can book for 2019. Hmm. 
Because you asked me to be on a podcast, I said yes. By the yeah, way, thank you. I, I, right? I feel I feel more lucky. Now. Oh no, it's just because it's so much easier yeah, to be able to slot it in. I can do it from my mic. Yep. I've got an hour, and um, I'm not traveling. You know, a whole day over here, prepping a whole speaking gig, having to be on at a particular time, all yep. of that jazz. But it doesn't mean I can't speak in my right. career, right. and I'm even getting better at it by doing the podcasts. Mm. You see how I'm putting these pieces together? So yeah, you line up all yeah. this Play-Doh and you're like, oh, there's a certain order that really helps. A better a better analogy that now comes to me is chess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? It's just chess moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I love about it is it's, you think back two and a half years ago in that this all started from scratching a personal itch and like you pulled on the thread and suddenly you're like, that you're, this is like, this is like, you know, MVP, like not like high level stuff that you're getting to think about from a new area. And I think people who think like, oh, whatever, like personal experiences. Yeah. Those are kind of interesting. You're sort of pulling on this thread and still in the midst of trying to figure it all out, but it's fascinating the, the depth and level, how quickly you've gotten to this point. Yeah. And I think that's one of the coolest things about like making and entrepreneurship is just making in another form, right? You're always making things. One of the coolest thing is that by making you learn more. And my husband goes to, um, to wood shop every week. There's like, a high school right next to us that has this whole wood shop and he goes and he makes stuff and the first time he goes he he learns how to I mean I, the first thing he made he made this bench and he started cutting all the short pieces first and then he was like oops I shouldn't have done that like you need to cut the long pieces first because otherwise you don't end up with long enough pieces because you cut all the short pieces off of these two by fours <laughs> but he didn't know till he did it yeah. and he's like well it's a good it's a good thing I'm just making a bench and I ordered pine because it's cheap wood and like so and he builds his way up to the maple or the mahogany table. And and it's by making something that you get the skills. It's not by like thinking and planning and dreaming and wondering. It's by just getting in there and doing, okay, I'm going to make these things. And you get to ask more interesting questions. And for me in making this podcast, like it, it's not like I'm going to come back to you in three months and be like, hey, Eric, I got it all, figured it all out, like wrapped it up. Like Then yeah. I'm going to be asking, like, yeah. how do I scale sponsorships? <laughs> and how do I, like, how do I manage a team right. effectively? Right. And what does a, a maternity leave policy look like if you're an idealistic organization that believes that you should have the best? Like, how do I model that as, as a human mm-hmm. running a business, right? All of these things are just going to be. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, I don't, isn't that the best thing? Like, I want to learn for a living and I get to. Yeah. Yeah. What there's uh what is uh, Satya Nadella always says I want I want to hire um learn it alls not know it alls. Oh. And and I think it's a great way to think about life. I I think you're you're uh you you sort of get to do it in a way that is like letting you learn and that's the, we're we're lucky we get to do that every day. Yeah. It's it's the deepest I think privilege to be able to learn for a living. Yeah. Perfect. Well, this has been so amazing. And I, I like I said, I, it's been as, I mean, I've known you for a while, but sort of watching this experience and, and it's been fun to sort of see this evolve in real time a little bit as, as it's kind of yeah. you've been very public sharing what's going on, I think, it, which is part of the, the magic of it, but it's neat to sort of dive in a little bit more. And I'm excited to see it for 2018. And, and I think uh, do do check out you know the sort of startup pregnant podcast series and uh, be a sponsor. I, I always you know, go in and be a sponsor because I think these are the kind of ways that we can build different audiences and things like that. So she needs more than one cup of coffee a month, people. But <laughs> I think uh, I think it's great, and, I, and and I'm excited to sort of hear. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to have you come back at the end of 2018 and sort of hear what that's been like to you know build 
in this way with this level of focus and this level of rigor because I think you're thinking about it in a way that could, you know, will teach a lot of people. Oh, that would be really fun. Thanks for asking such great questions too. I try. I'm a parent like you. You and I have sort of, uh, we're living the same life. So I think it's sort of fun to, to I, I like talking to other people that can empathize with the, the life we're doing. So it's always good. And uh, I'm glad to, glad to do it with you. Amazing. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.